Hey now, welcome to Random Movie Club. I'm your host, Rob Logan. In each episode, I sit down with a co-host to discuss any movie of their choosing. The only qualification is that the movie is available to watch at home on DVD, Blu-ray, or digital. Before you listen to this show, I highly recommend that you watch the movie we're going to talk about, because we're going to spoil everything. Also, at the end of the episode, I'll tell you which movie we're going to discuss next so you have enough time to watch it. If you enjoy Random Movie Club, you can help keep it going by supporting us on Patreon. Supporters get special benefits like bonus episodes, patron-only events, giveaways, and more. Show your support for Random Movie Club and the Geek Generation by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com support. On this episode, I'll be discussing Conan the Barbarian with Kevin Harrington. Let's roll the film. Conan the Barbarian was released in 1982 from director John Milius. Written by John Milius and Oliver Stone, the film stars Arnold Schwarzenegger, James Earl Jones, and Max von Sydow. So tell me why you chose Conan the Barbarian. Uh, Conan the Barbarian is arguably the greatest movie of all time. And, you know, when you ask me, so thir- first of all, thank you very much for inviting me on the show and giving, l- allowing me to spread the gospel of how great Conan the Barbarian is. <laughs> Everyone laughs when I say that Conan the Barbarian is my favorite movie. Yeah. It, honestly, the more I think about it, it's just hands down, it's my favorite movie. Yeah. And there's a reason why if you look at AFI 100, Conan the Barbarian is actually on the list. And people, It is, yeah. It is. It's a great film. And you watch it, and if you are, as you should, listening to us as you're queuing up Conan the Barbarian, you're about to watch a truly operatic film. And the music in this, Basil Polidorus, who's one of the greatest composers ever, he just makes a really powerful soundtrack. And, you know, from the Anvil of Crom, when that comes in, it's just such an epic, ballsy, just very kind of Wagner sound. And it's so perfect for a film about barbarians and these just kind of larger than life characters. Mm -hmm. And, I love the character Conan from, you know, Robert E. Howard. But honestly, you know, some nerds might crucify me for this. I like Conan the Barbarian, the movie. That's how I was introduced to Conan as a kid. And I and it kind of, it's like the top for me. I love the Conan stories, but somehow I just visualize the Conan that Arnold created. I get that. And, you know, when you watch this movie, it's just the cinematography in it is incredible. The music is amazing. And the direction is fantastic. Like, Arnold doesn't look or sound awkward in this film. Mm-hmm. And I love the guy, but there are so many movies where he's just kind of a little awkward or jarring. And it's not because he doesn't talk a lot. He actually has a couple of really great monologues mm-hmm. in this film. And he just sounds so good. And he looks – I think it's a testament to a great director when you can get a really good performance out of an actor. Sure. And I feel bad when I see these later action movies with Arnold that he's kind of like – just king of one-liners and it's like he's a little stiff too he's stiff yeah and this movie he's just strong Mm -hmm. and i mean that beyond just the physicality he he doesn't sound awkward he might not speak a whole lot but when he does it's very controlled and it's just it flows well and Mm -hmm. i think everything about this movie it's one of those rare movies where just so many things come together in such a great way sure like the fun interesting thing about it is Conan is very much an anti-hero, this movie, until maybe the last 
five or 10 minutes of this movie. He's not a hero. He's a brigand. He's a violent mercenary mm-hmm. guy that's out. It's, it, it's, it's a classic revenge flick. Yes. And this reminds me so much of a Western, except with swords. Okay. You know? Sure. And John Milius is a big Western fan. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, early on in his career, he, he you know, he loves Westerns. You see that in this movie. Mm. It feels very reminiscent of that Blondie character from Fistful of Dollars. He's kind of this lone character that shows up who ends up doing something heroic for people but is not just like a Dudley do right. Like, mm-hmm. and he's not, he's not motivated to do the good. Like it, he somehow gets pulled into helping people. Like a perfect example is Mad Max. Sure. I love Mad Max where you're, he's almost conned into being a hero. And, and, and especially in, uh, uh, the road warrior, they like trick him. They're like, here, do this for us. And for, for no other reason than just do it. Because it's like there's no hero, money, yeah, yeah. there's no we'll love you. You're like, yo, you're a tough guy, yep. and these guys are horrible, so you should just fight all these bad guys for us because, you know, we're people. And it's like, I I like the, I love the antihero. Like, they, you know, because they're such a gray character, you know, they're not, that we don't know. We, mm-hmm. They're kind of morally gray character. So in Conan the Barbarian, you know, we see this young child in this, you know, kind of ideal, you know, quaint village, you know, mm-hmm. they're working and he's, his father is telling him, you know, about, you know, the riddle of steel and, you know, where their people are and what their life. And, it, and it's just got this interesting, uh, the movie Conan, they, they show the sword being made at the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's an allegory for the trials that Conan will go through mm. and, you know, how, how, t- how steel is tested through fire mm-hmm. and, and it's built and by all of these trials, it actually takes a lump of metal and makes it into something stronger and better. And we see Conan's village get wasted. He loses his parents in a very horrific way. And he's trotted off into this, you know, slave lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And all he knows for his beginning years is just pain and toil. And he's just the only thing that really fuels him is his desire to be free and get and get this guy that has just burned his life, has right. just killed his life. And we, you know, we assume this is maybe 20 or, or even 30 years of this toil. Mm-hmm. And eventually we catch up with, you know, Thulsa Doom, who he and his raiders come and destroy this village. You get, you realize that he's, he's grown from either just being this raider to this like empire. Mm. And by the end of the movie, you know, he has that he's that line that's like, who's now more your fire, your father than I? Like, mm-hmm. I made you this, this wonder, this powerful entity. I put the fire in you. Yeah. And it's kind of taken back. But you see there's like thousands or hundreds of thousands of people in this cult around Thulsa mm-hmm. Doom. So when Conan finally fights and kills Thulsa Doom at that moment, he's actually heroic because he's like liberated these people. Right. And the whole movie is following his path for revenge. But it's interesting when someone's path of revenge can actually be heroic because it's like you're killing a despot Mm -hmm. who's not only ruined your life, but is dominating and controlling all these people. And there's just this powerful moment where you see all these people that have been in this cult and they're like, what do we do? Right. Right. They all uh, line up and they drop these little candles into it. Like they've been freed. And 
you know, I was watching it a few years ago and I was really surprised. I was like, wow, he is not a heroic person until this point. Uh, so we're going to hop into some trivia before we actually yeah, get yeah. into the, the bulk of the movie. <laughs> I feel like I almost just gave a summary of the movie. I should just <laughs> shut the hell up. Sorry. Uh, so some trivia from IMDb. As always, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger had weapons training, martial arts training, and horse riding lessons from specialists. He trained with an 11-pound broadsword two hours a day for three months wow. and learned how to handle one. Each broadsword cost $10,000 and had what? to look weathered. He also learned climbing techniques and how to fall and roll and jump from 15 feet in the air. John Milius made sure all of these were videotaped, and according to Schwarzenegger, they were just as intense as training for bodybuilding competitions. I believe it. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. $10,000 for those swords? And at that point in time. Yeah, so that's like a million dollars now, right? (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Jesus, $10,000 for those swords? Yeah. I mean, they use some different ones. To those were more like the showy ones, but when mm-hmm. it came to combat and stuff, they would have other ones that were obviously a lot cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. Also, maybe somebody's like, yeah, Hollywood. Oh, I had to use some special <laughs> technique. Some, yeah. Like some asshole is going to be like, oh, because who knows? It's like buying anything for a wedding. Yeah, it's just right? exponentially you more just, expensive. You're like, it's a sword. They're like, oh, but you need you need the do you have the magical varnish? What? Right. <laughs> oh, you need magic varnish. That's going to be another 10 grand. It's like extra shiny for the camera, extra shiny for the camera. Well, you know, it's so funny that but you probably have to do something like yeah. that. If you're, so you don't see in the glint of the sword. Oh, totally. A camera lens. Probably. Oh, man. Ten grand. Jesus. James Earl Jones was a last minute addition to the cast because of his commitments on Broadway. He and Arnold became friends on set. Schwarzenegger helped Jones stay in shape and Jones coached Arnold in acting. Well, there you go. No wonder he sounds so damn good. He's being coached by James Earl Jones. And when you're coached by the best. There you go. Yeah. And, And, you know, that's actually a thing that I love a lot about this movie. I think this is the first time. We see James Earl Jones as a villain. You know, he's he contributed his so. voice sure. for Darth Vader. Right. But this I can't think of any other villain roles that he's been in because he's typically, you know, a very fatherly figure. Mm-hmm. But this is clearly the first time he's played a villainous role. And I think that's what makes Tulsa Doom so great mm. is we're so used to seeing James Earl Jones as a hurt. We a, want a hero. to like him and we can't. We want to like yeah. him and he's great. And that is such a good twist when you have somebody or or like a comedian takes a serious role. You're you're looking at them in a different light. Mm-hmm. And when Thulsa Doom comes out, that first scene, he's just got this really great kind of seductive quality because mm. he's got instant charisma. Sure. And there's something not a lot of people notice. They give him blue yes. contacts. Yep. And it's great. And I remember I was reading, or I think John Millies was talking about it in the commentary, that they wanted him to look kind of otherworldly. Mm-hmm. And he and does. He totally does. He's got like a very light complexion. Yes. And he's got those blue eyes and that like kind of crazy long hair. Yeah. You're, his race look, it looks interesting. It looks like a race that's older. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think they're talking about they wanted him to look like maybe early Egyptian. Like he's a, he's like, he could be a mix of Mediterranean. There's some elven African. qualities to right? it. Right. That's yeah. exactly the thing. He looks, he looks timeless. He looks mm-hmm. older than human. Yeah. And it's such a just he is he's so great in this movie and all of those little things just combine together to make this really fascinating character. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he kind of has this hypnotic quality, which, you know, you see he almost hypnotizes Conan's mind. Right, right. 
much like a snake with their prey, which totally. I think they do such an interesting job. Like they tease out those elements to him throughout the whole film. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I was always curious like that. He, you know, he's a last minute addition. Where do you know where they did it? It was Broadway that was keeping him up. Oh, but, okay. So yeah. like they wanted him or they did. They did. They okay. did. Yeah. Yeah. They probably were like, dude, we got to get Vader. Yeah, for this movie. And <laughs> right? it's clear. I mean, maybe it makes sense. It's like after Star Wars, Vader is like such a great villain. And that voice, that voice is so goddamn good that you're like, he's got to be our, our villain. But totally. like, see him, see him like that. He like the moment he walks on, he just he just takes over. He really does. Yeah. Yeah. That's his presence. Yeah. Conan's response to the Mongol general's question, what is best in life, are the main character's very first lines of dialogue, and it is a full 20 minutes into the movie before he delivers them. Right. And there's a sequence from when the village is raided. I timed it. Mm -hmm. I think it's 13 minutes where there is no dialogue. Mm. It's just music. And that's why, you know, earlier I'm saying this, uh, why I love this movie. It's so operatic. They're able to tell so much of the story just with music. And the music is so powerfully done and so well done. And the, and, the, and the cinematography is gorgeous. Like you're seeing, you know, go from their village out to like the plains and you're just like this very nomadic. But that I love. That's his very first line of dialogue. And it's so good. What is best in life? Crush your enemies. Yeah, have them driven before you. Hear the moaning and lamentation of their women. And yeah. like that's the greatest. <laughs> that is the greatest quote ever. I it, like that. And he's just sitting there. He's like sitting on a table, like right. just just like sitting Indian style. They're like, yep, he's right. What did you like? Oh, I like Falcons. No, screw you. This is my boy. You know, go play with your Falcons. This is the guy that's going to be leading the shit. He's going to. Yeah. Although Conan and Valeria are shown together frequently throughout the movie, he only speaks five words to her in the entire film. And they're all in the first 30 seconds after they meet. You're not a guard. And no. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That's it. That's it. That's it. And you, I guess, I guess they don't even say her name in the movie. They don't. Yeah, it's There's only... footage that was cut uh, where they mentioned her name. That's the only reason we know her character that's name. That's what I thought, because I've watched that movie time, time and time again, and I was like, how do I know her name is Valeria? And actually, only... that's actually another one. Uh, Valeria's name is not spoken in the film. The only scene where she was named, her self-introduction was cut. That's, yeah, that's right. So I think that's probably only in, like, the director's cut, because mm-hmm. I only remember her name from from wading through the uh the the credits yeah yeah which i think is so interesting it's like that's i think is so cool that you're just they don't need to do that maybe they're like uh that exposition isn't necessary like and because i didn't know her name i think in all my show notes i really just wrote uh thief woman (laughs) 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 because i was like well i don't know her name yeah so i'm not gonna make any assumptions yeah yeah sandal bergman right yeah oh god she was great in that and totally awesome because she wasn't an action movie star. She was a dancer, mm. like a Broadway. Da- they, that's also what you're, you're getting some high caliber people. You're getting James Earl Jones, who was, uh, who's almost delayed because of Broadway. Mm-hmm. You get Sandal Bergman, who is a, is a trained. And you get Arnold who can barely speak English. Barely speak English. It's like, well, let's put this in a pot and shake it up and see what happens. <laughs> right? But it's, it's so cool when you have those people with very different backgrounds mm. working together that they probably, they all make each other, I think they stretched each other very well. And sure. This, and uh, was it Jerry Lopez who plays Subatai? Oh, my God. I love that guy. Mm. Who's not even Asian. He's yeah. Mexican. Yeah. He, he's Which is so funny. And it's not – and you see the movie. It's not like, you know, when you see this in, 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 you know, a lot of Hollywood movies, it can be offensive. You know, it seems like Yellowface. He sounds and looks authentic. Yeah. Like he looks – 
he looks like he could be from like Eurasia, like, you know, Russian and kind of like a Mongolian background. He's got that cool mustache. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just because he talks with such a growl. It's not like those those BS accents. Mm. He's great. He's one of my favorite characters in that. Yeah. Especially his line when they him and Conan, them them throughout that movie, it's just like a buddy cop with swords. They're <laughs> totally. so damn funny. Totally. And I I love it because you you see this movie and everybody just gels so well together. And like I'm I'm sad that they didn't make a follow up with those two together because mm. I wanted to see a whole fleet of movies of those guys getting into trouble because it just it was like um, they should do modern day with the two of them that actually right. do a buddy cop TV. They series. should. What's Jerry up to? He was. This, he's apparently. I, I think he was good pals with John Milius. I think they surfed together. Oh, okay. And I was reading about. it. I was like, that's great. He's just like, oh, this guy's <laughs> awesome. I bet you'd be great as a as an Asian archer from a you know a, a lost kingdom. That's yeah, funny. We can get him in there for that. The uh, fake blood used in the film came in the form of a concentrate, which had to be mixed with water prior to use. Due to the cold weather, it was mixed with vodka as an antifreeze instead. In the scenes in which actors were supposed to spit the blood, they would swallow it instead, then go back to the special effects man for more. <laughs> Brilliant. That is some smart thinking. Yeah, because there, um, there's so many of those scenes where it's like, mm. it looks like you're you're filming in the Arctic. As I heard, they were originally supposed to film in Spain, or they filmed part of it in Spain. Okay. And I think, or no, they wound up filming in Spain because I think they were in like, Eastern Europe. I remember reading that they were in an area and there was some sort of war mm-hmm. outbreak. Not, I don't know, like full flail. Okay. But it was like, uh, we have to remove our entire production. Oh, my God. So, yeah. Yeah. I think they rolled with a lot of punches in this movie. That's awesome. Fake blood with vodka. Uh, neither Arnold Schwarzenegger nor Sandal Bergman had ever done a love scene before this film and both felt awkward about doing one together. I'm sure they did because was Maria Shriver there? <laughs> <laughs> I think she was like yeah, on I thought set. I remember yeah, yeah. hearing that she was on set. Yeah. Like, you know, sitting there watching them. How awkward could that be? Or especially that scene where Conan asks, uh, the, uh, the witch asks Conan for directions. <laughs> oh, okay. I got to, you know, bang you for the, uh, yeah, that's yeah. the payment. I was <laughs> yeah. like, of course. Yeah. This, this movie, uh, this movie was written for young men in mind. Right. You grow up, if you look, you're physically fit, a sexy witch will ask you for <laughs> sex in return for directions. This is uh, maybe great. one of my favorite trivia things. Some of the stuntmen took too long to die and had to be paid extra just to lie down and stay down. <laughs> what? Yeah. That's amazing. You Stop <laughs> acting this up. Just be dead. We'll give you some more money. Yep. Someone's trying to get their 15 minutes of fame. Yeah, just uh, <laughs> like the, the Pee Wee Herman yeah, and yeah. Buffy. <laughs> The five-minute death. James Earl Jones is here. I got to show my acting. Exactly. You lost your head. You die now. But. <laughs> and chickens keep moving. Yeah. Well, but maybe I'm a vampire. No, you're not. You're dead. You're <laughs> right dead. You got weird shot. backstory. Go, go. You, but I have an idea that maybe I'm a Mongol and I'm really mad. No, you're dead. Just lay down, Gary. <laughs> Gary. Gary. Everybody's Gary. That's an extra. <laughs> Uh, lastly, John Milius originally wanted Arnold Schwarzenegger to be the narrator, but executives at Universal had a problem with Arnold as the narrator due to his accent. Instead, Mako was made the narrator. Mako. Mako. That's a good choice, though. I mean, honestly, I would really love to hear it narrated by Arnold. That's so shitty that people do that because like, he's got such a great Yeah, but accent. Mako. Like... Oh, but yeah, you're, I totally agree. <laughs> the, the one they go with, Mako or Mako, I think it's Mako. 
He's amazing. He's the voice of Haku in uh I was gonna say Samurai Jack. like as we get into the movie, the first voice you hear is his, and I was just like, yes. It's a coup from Samurai yeah. Jack, which that that intro gives me chills every time. It is so damn beautiful. it's just it, he's got such a great voice. Yeah. Like this movie is driven by such powerful voices. You have James Earl Jones, you have Mako. Just amazing, recognizable actors, just wonderful voiceover talent. Mm-hmm. And in that intro where he reads and it just sets the whole backstory. That's another thing that I like about Conan is that you get this epic sense of the story, but they almost ground it like it's kind of historical legend. When Atlantis was around, which was an island, but we, you know, it was destroyed or or whatnot, that you get the you get the impression that Conan was a real person mm-hmm. that this world was real but it's so long ago it was a time when magic was real but it's it, you know it's like lost to past mm-hmm. it gives it this this kind of historical fiction and i just love that setup that it was like even before you know the legends and myths that were familiar from textbooks there was an age unparalleled an age undreamed of the king the you know the sons of Arius, but greater than all of these kings and heroes and and, and swords and sorcery was this one person mm-hmm. conan I am his chronicler. Let me tell you the tale of hot, the tales of high adventure. And then just the song, almost like, yeah, yeah. That's why I like your show, your show intro, mm-hmm. just those epic drums that just thrum in. And it's just like, you go right from this awesome voice and this epic, we're getting to the climax. We're talking about Conan, all this drums and horns come in. And then we see fire and we see that sword getting made. Mm. It's just, ah, oh, so epic. This movie if you look up epic on uh, <laughs> Wikipedia or, a bo- or in a dictionary, it should just say, see Conan the Barbarian. This is the perfect definition of epic. So as we go a little bit chronologically through the movie, uh, we talked about the narrator. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the beginning scene, we have the warriors attacking. There's the boy in the village. The woods become quickly overrun, destroyed by warriors, all that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. The boy's father takes an axe to the spine, then gets mauled by dogs. dogs. That's a painful way to go. Yeah, the boy's mother goes to his defense, but James Earl Jones stares at her a bunch, and she drops her sword, and he beheads her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dale, I think that's De Laurentiis, right? I is think it? That, that might be Dino De Laurentiis's daughter. Forget her name. She is gorgeous, by the way. Mm. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that's what I love. That's what I, I mean. We like. I have a soft spot for all those like seventies and eighties sword and sorcery movies. They just ugh, always had just the most gorgeous barbarian or like. Maybe it's just that it's a beautiful woman that's kicking ass with a sword. I'm maybe. Like, maybe that might be it. <laughs> maybe. But I just. Oh man. The children are all collected. They're taken up north and yeah. used as slaves. Uh, Conan's thrown into a pit to fight another guy who bites him a lot while Arnold makes yeah. some. Yeah, that that scene is hilarious. It's like, weird. Wait, we don't give him a sword. We've just the, 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 we just file his. I think he's filed his teeth. Yeah, it's the creepiest thing. He just got that weird like he looks like the gimp from uh, Pulp Fiction, <laughs> but he's just like. Or reptile from Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah. He's just like creepy as shit that he just bites Conan and like rips his neck out. And meanwhile, Arnold's doing all his classic. <laughs> what's, what's happening? Yeah. And there's no dialogue. In. He's just that until much later, the only thing he says is. Argh. It seems like ADR to me. Like it didn't quite match up with his mouth or anything. Just. <laughs> yeah, that might. Maybe him talking later wasn't intentional. They're just like, we can't make any sense of this. <laughs> For the. Time. 
Then we get a fighting montage and Conan's killing a whole bunch of people in the pit. Yeah. Uh, Conan's then taken east to learn new fighting techniques, read poetry and bang chicks. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah. is uh, that is what a college program. We're like, oh, we're going to teach you to kill and have sex with beautiful ladies. <laughs> Here's a woman. Here you go. Or yeah, he's bred. I love it. He was bred to the finest. Like yeah. he's a, he gets to be, what do you call that? In, in, in horse racing. Uh, he's he's stud. St- yeah. They put him out to stud. They're like, this guy's at, we're going to raise him to battle people and we're going to bottle his, his awesome seed. We're going to the barbarian stallion, the barbarian stallion. We're going to farm him out to make more barbarians. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Yeah. Like, it's totally. not a, you know, it's a brutal but eh, not too bad of a life because I'm thinking most people probably lived to be 15 back then. Cause mm. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Anything. <laughs> Anything. There's no food and I don't know. People didn't know what science was. So uh, what's your what's your job? Oh, I kill people and then I have sex with beautiful women. How do I sign up for that? Right. His friend breaks his shackles at night and sets him free. Uh, he runs off and stumbles into the remains of an old throne room where he claims the fallen king's sword as his own. Apparently, that was supposed to be the throne room of Atlantis. Oh, really? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, because this sword, it's its called the Atlantean sword. Oh, okay. Um, that's the music that plays if you've got the, the soundtrack. Now it makes sense. Yeah, because they don't really explain it. I, I always thought, oh, is that Krom? And Krom was like an actual right. like king that almost like he got revered. Because Which makes sense because they don't really explain it. They don't explain a whole yeah. lot. And it just maybe that's just I don't know if you're supposed to believe that's what Conan thinks Krom is, mm-hmm. that he was a powerful warlord who becomes like I had the a god. same kind of thought. That yeah, you did. I've yeah. always wondered about that because, they, you know, they don't explain that. Which honestly, I don't think they need to. I kind of like I don't need a movie. I feel like that's something that happens too much recently that they over explain everything. Mm-hmm. And I think it can be cool that there's there's stuff that's just not expressly stated like you don't need to know that it's a fun little thing to find out because that's maybe a blank that gets filled in later Mm -hmm. if we're if we're led to believe you know with mako narrating this that this is all like a a past epic that somebody must have filled in those details later because Conan becomes such a like a powerful and famous figure that's cool i mean that kind of explains you know those are the little missing pieces but that's, that's a neat little thing he comes across a woman who tells him of a prophecy, but she wants him to bang her. So <laughs> yeah, right. He does, and she turns into a demon or something. And then as most Conan, women do once they get their way. What? No. Conan throws her into a fire, and she flies away. <laughs> like that was the weirdest thing. That was the weirdest thing. And not only that, he has sex with a witch who turns into like this weird panther werewolf lady. Yeah. And he's like, oh, this isn't quite what uh, I'm done. Uh, <laughs> and, and tosses her into a fire. She explodes and like turns into like. I don't know, like a spooky ghost thing that like flies out and he's he's just like, well, that's fucked up. And then he stays there. Yeah. Sleeps at her place. <laughs> Jesus. Like he's like, well, she was hot. Before, well, she was so. hot. And well, she turned into a ghost vampire thing. But I'm pretty sure fired. Yeah, I'm, I'm OK. I'm safe <laughs> to stay here. Get the fuck out of there, dude. Right. Like, well, but I mean, I guess if you're Conan, you're tough enough to fight anything. Yeah, he's not too worried about it. Yeah, right. Like, all right, bang her. So, you know, uh-huh. Uh, Conan. Very, very simple. Uh, well, if I can't kill it with fire, <laughs> oh, I'm checked with it. Yeah, yeah. Conan meets Subatai begging for food, and they have a conversation about whose god is strongest. Yes, that sequence is hilarious. Mm. Where what is he saying? Like, my god lives on a mountain. He's all tough. It, it, they just keep trying to one up each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, just, my god. <laughs> yeah, my god. Who's your god? Krom. He's powerful. He sits on a mountain. Who's your god? 
my God is the sky, the four winds. Kram laughs at your God. It's like, yeah, but your God lives beneath my God. And then it's just that look on his face like, crap. Crap. <laughs> and it's like he's just, ooh, interesting. Yeah, I've yeah. never thought of that. A mountain. They uh, go into town, get drunk, and Conan punches a camel. Yes, which is a nod to uh, Blazing Saddles. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, apparently, John Milius is a huge fan of Blazing Saddles. And if you haven't seen the movie... There's that great sequence where Mungo, who is played by Alex Karras, who was the dad on Webster, mm-hmm. he's just, because he was a big, beefy football player, comes in. And there's a sequence where he comes into the town, he punches a horse and knocks, his, <laughs> knocks it out. And so that's why they had that, so that random, great random sequence yeah. in Conan the Barbarian, which is funny. In Conan the Destroyer, they do a callback to that. Oh, okay. And a, and a cam- I think the camel spits on him. And it's the funniest thing. I, I don't know. I think you're supposed to believe that it's the same camel. Okay. That's like, Fuck you. I remember you. That's so weird. But yeah, what is it? They're, they're all they're all stoned on Haga. They're like, they're, they're talking to that old guy. And it's like, here, here, have some of this. Yeah, have yeah. some of this like weird barbarian weed. And, it's like, yeah, yeah. and they're all like tuned up going through the town. It's so weird. <laughs> <They're>, <laughs> I love that. He's like, here, have some charms. It protects you from evil. I am evil. <laughs> he's like all high. And these like women are talking to him. And he's like, ah, yeah, sluts. And he's like all stumbling. <laughs> that weird sequence is hilarious. And I, I was I was convinced. I was like, I think they were just drunk. And they just started filming these right, guys right. like stumble around set. And then Arnold punches a camel. And they're like, got to keep this in the yeah. movie. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean. <laughs> I thought that Carmel was he was looking at me in the eye. It was just hog is really good stuff. And it's either in the movie or it's blackmail material. Yeah, exactly. One exactly. <laughs> They're like, in case he doesn't want to do a second movie. Yeah. They uh end up meeting the thief woman who helps them climb a snake tower. Who we now know is Valeria. Because they don't mention her in the whole movie. <laughs> and they steal them. a gem during some kind of ceremony. Yeah. Yeah. On the way out, Conan recognizes a snake symbol as the same worn by the people who burned his village as a child, and then a giant fake looking snake attacks them and they hack it up and escape. Yeah, yeah. I remember that being so much more realistic until <laughs> I saw it recently. Yeah. But it still looks pretty good. It's not too until, bad. Until until it like when you, when you see it like the that sequence when the snake wakes up because he's like trying to pull the gem and like sweat drips mm-hmm. off his hand mm-hmm. onto the snake and it's like eye opens like I feel like they must have used a real python Probably. for that sequence because that looks so good sure it looks great until they're leaving and then you see the snakes like heads start to lift up and you're like oh it kind of does look when he fake. starts hacking yeah them. <laughs> yeah when it gets to that point but kudos to them for having practical effects totally because it's like nowadays it's like you uh, you see not that they had so many choices not that they had any yeah i mean they it was like that or stop motion basically yeah true but i mean oh if they could have got ray harry housing <laughs> pretty awesome right but i love that's another thing i love the stuff that you're seeing you're seeing all practical effects mm-hmm. so they just blend well with the movie and i guess in another thing this movie versus a lot of these other kind of, you know, barbarian type movies, you know, there's a typical sword and sorcery. You don't see a lot of magic mm-hmm. in this movie. And I like True. that because it just makes it feel a little more real. I mean, yep. there's James Earl. I mean, Tulsa Doom does his like shape shifting into a snake, but there's mm-hmm. not like pew pew and like smoking like now I'm a snake. Deal with this or like, you know, like Alakazoom. Right. It's just like. It feels more culty and religious, like that these people are going into that they're just kind of won over by a cult of personality and not mm. like a magic spell. Yeah. 
They go to celebrate their robbery, and Conan bangs Valeria. Yeah, as uh, you do. They're then captured and brought to a king who commends them and tasks them to rescue oh. his daughter from the snake cult, and Conan goes off on his own, leaving his friends behind. Right, who is played by Max von Sydow. Yes. Who is... He's this, amazing. Another. This, like, how many great actors did they get for this movie? Great and classical actors. You have James Earl Jones, and you have Max von Sydow, who, honestly, God, he has named, like, every... Major movie. I mean, oh, just God, he's he he's done so much. Honestly, just one of my favorite actors and one of those guys that just consistently I don't know how they do it, just keeps getting better with age. And the fact that they had him, he's only in it in the movie for maybe what, seven minutes? Yeah, it's pretty short. And he gives that monologue where he captures them and they're like, you think they're going to be executed for thieves. Mm -hmm. And then he propositions them because he's like, I need you. I need badasses because I hate this snake. Cult, mm -hmm. And they've stolen my daughter. And he does that monologue where it's like, look, there comes a time where this shit is meaningless. I'm a king mm -hmm. and I have power and wealth and jewels. But all of this is hollow because at the end, all you really met, all that really matters is a father's love for his daughter. Mm -hmm. And that I would trade my entire kingdom for. And it's like, here, I will give you enough. And he just throws gems at him. He's like, like, you'll be a king. You'll be a king. There's yeah. enough for you to all to be kings and queens yourselves. Yep. And his speech, his monologue, when he's, he's like, you did this. What arrogance. I salute you. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> so good. Uh, oh, yeah. He was Ming the Merciless in uh, in uh, God. What's it? Uh, the old uh, Flash Gordon. Flash Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, Max von Sydow. Amazing. And I just love that speech because, you again, you've seen him be Ming the Merciless. And now you're seeing this powerful kind of ruthless guy that you think is out to get him. And he's just like. You know, you see this really human side to mm -hmm. the king. Conan meets the wizard on his way to the snake cult, and oh, yeah. uh, they find the brotherhood of the cult and do the old knock the enemy out and wear his clothes bit. <laughs> yes. It's one of the priests. Yes. That sequence is so great. When he's <laughs> going around, the speech to the guy, he like pulls the one of the the cult leaders or Tulsa Doom. He's like, and he's like, oh, it's, it's this really funny kind of homoerotic scene. He's like, oh, you are so big. Yeah, the God is. would yeah. love you. And it's like, yeah, I bet creepy cult guy. And as soon as Conan's like, come over here. Yeah, I want to talk like, to you. Yes. Yeah, I want to come over here. He's like, well, you just, I don't know. I've got this body. And he's like all shy. He's like, you shouldn't be shy. You should show It was really weird. He's super weird and funny. And he's like, I want to talk to you. And he's like, oh, is this metal? Is this all you have? And he's like, yeah. And it's all you'll ever need. And he just punches him, knocks him out. Yep. I love that move in any movie where you like go up and you karate chop or you take you, you, know, you take two villains and you like coconut their heads. Yeah, yeah. And then you're dressed up as them. <laughs> in the next sequence, he's just walking around and it's like you just see jacked his jacked priest. Yeah. priest. Like all of them are, the, are, are, you know, kind of like really thin and like kind of femi look priest but here's muscular boom which is probably why just, it didn't work so yeah, well exactly he's just walking around he's showing his medallion he's like hey what's up here's my medallion and he does like this one oh i saw some guy bow and do the hand thing he's doing it to everybody and he just reminds me of like eddie murphy in like golden child and it's like yeah, yeah. Hey, he knows what word it's like hey what's up what's up Such yeah. a good movie. and they're like oh yeah keep going and someone's like oh let me see that token you got there hmm oh yeah go right ahead and all right, I'm in this cult thing. And it's like, oh, things are going well. Get that guy. Which yeah. guy? Uh, the one guy that's clearly a barbarian <laughs> dressed up like one of our priest dudes that clearly got, you know. Yeah. It's such a, I love that bit in any movie, especially when the ruse totally thin and gets <laughs> punked. 
when uh, he's identified, clearly. He's yeah. uh, beaten and interrogated by Thelsa Doom, who's upset that he stole the gem and killed his snake, so he orders him to be crucified on the Tree of Woe. The greatest line ever. Contemplate this on the Tree of Woe. What's the Tree of Woe? Oh, a scary-ass tree in the middle of the desert that we're going to shoot arrows to crucify you? Yeah, right. Oh, my God. That sequence is amazing. He's just beaten, like, and when they, they've roughed him up, mm-hmm. and he's sitting on that fountain. I, I didn't notice it until I was watching it, that this fountain is, like, just filled with snakes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or right before then, he he tells them the the riddle of steel, that mm-hmm. his father yes. tells him that it's the whole thing that the and He talks about flesh being stronger. Stronger. And and he's and like, you've been pursuing steel, that that's nonsense. What good is steel except for the hand that wields it? You want to know what strength is? This is strength. Mm-hmm. Oh, you you come to me and he like points to this woman on a cliff and he just waves it's like come to me child she just and she just herself. walks off yeah. a cliff and falls to her death on a slab yep and he's like that is power that is strength because it's like when you can control flesh that wields the steel when mm. what matter is a sword compared to the people that you can control that do it for you and you just see it like it's just that kind of freaky epiphany that all his life Thulsa Doom was just conquering and raiding. And then mm-hmm. he found out, oh, the true power is people owning them. And, and and you know, but yeah, then sends him out to the tree of woe. We were like, Jesus, he's in there. Out there. He's attacked by puppets. You were, yeah, he's attacked <laughs> by the vultures. But the funniest thing, I love it. He's so defiant. He's been beaten, starved. He's got like arrows shot into his wrist to pin him to the tree. And a vulture comes down to peck at him. And he kills the vulture. He bites the vulture's <laughs> neck and he shakes it around and he breaks the goddamn fucking vulture's neck and spits it out. And I'm like, oh, my God, this guy is the hardest motherfucker alive. <laughs> like, he just is indomitable. He's had his family and his village killed. He spent 20 years training and killing and fighting. And you think he's going to be dead. And before he dies, his last action, of, his last act of defiance is to break the neck of a vulture coming to pick at him. Yeah. And then, you know, you see that, like, in the distance. It's like, as you think he's about to die, you see Subutai coming over the ridge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then they heal him with magic, I yeah. think. I guess. I think. I think they, they draw, like, they do, like, the fraternity prank. They yeah. write a bunch of shit on his face and dress him up like a mummy. and Draw a few dicks on him. Draw there. a few dicks on him. I think that's what it says. It probably just says in, like, barbarian runes. I am a dick. Or, yeah. <laughs> you know, they clown him and they write, like, you know, all sorts of, you know, runes on his face. And then, uh, I don't know, a bunch of, like, creepy rotoscope ghosts fly over him and he comes back from the dead. Yeah. Which, I guess. All right. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, sure. It's magic. It's magic. It works. Okay, so there is some magic in the yeah. movie. Uh, that they use it sparingly. And they it do. is kind of a cool effect because I love how... I don't know when they draw like those ghosts that like come mm. over him and try to they I guess they like try to take him away mm. to like the other world. And I, I guess that was my assumption. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, if we can't steal you to the hell, then you get to live. Mm-hmm. Like that seemed like such a weird magic. I don't know. They tried punching him. And yeah. Stuff. What did it? What did it, I want to know what he write? It's just like a hey, free barbarian ghosts. <laughs> That's what they wrote on his face a bunch of times. Right. Right. But yeah. Uh, uh, they sneak into the mountain to retrieve the princess and witness the orgy while Thelsa Doom transform into the giant snake and slithers yes. away in a really, yes. uh, I'm not sure that scene necessarily holds up as much. It's kind of <laughs> funny looking. It is hilarious, but that sequence is awesome that in like kind of the, the, it reveals like, you know, they're that kind of orgiastic scene, but like they're cooking that stew 
and they stirred around and you see like there's like hands. Yeah, that was disgusting. It's disgusting, but I thought it was kind of fascinating because it's like it represents like this cult is like the ultimate decadence. Like they feed on human beings. Mm -hmm. They destroy lives. They destroy these people. And it's like that's like this ultimate kind of weird decadence. Like Mm. just I thought I thought it was, you know, kind of a cool, cool atmosphere. And then that like weird mutoid dude that's like cooking it. He looks kind of yeah. like sloth. From yeah. Goonies. They end up uh, saving the princess there. They run through all the tunnels. Yes. And as they're riding away, Thelsa turns the snake into the arrow. Yes. And fires it at Valeria, which made me think I, I just had like flashbacks that this was maybe the inspiration for the scene in G.I. Joe, the movie where Serpentor takes a snake, makes it rigid and throws it through Duke's chest. Oh, it totally was. Yeah, I, it has to be. That like that I, I remember seeing that I bet they totally ripped that off for the cartoon. Yeah, yeah. That sequence is freaky as hell. And then later they do it such a good job, like they pull the snake out of and her it becomes, and they drop it on the ground and you see it. That was done well. Yeah. That was done super well. Yeah. That was done super well. They yeah. string up the princess as bait to attract oh, Thalsa. Yes. And prepare for the army. And they arrival. have the best like battle te- preparation sequences ever in a movie, mm-hmm. which I think they were inspired by. If you've seen Seven Samurai, there's a sequence where the uh, samurais are helping this town prepare for these brigands that are going to come. Mm-hmm. And they start like digging trenches and whatnot. And I think that was kind of an homage to that sequence, which is absolutely phenomenal they have like pit traps that they've put all these spears that they've raided from uh, the wizard like has this like field of like dead warriors and they just pull a bunch Mm -hmm. of weapons and armor and shit and conan makes an elaborate like crazy pit trap that he puts like a helmet on and i love it it's it's like home alone that's exactly what i was thinking it's home alone with swords and it's like one of the best sequences of any movie and like conan is fighting it's 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 amazing because you have like three dudes that outwit or outfight like fifty or a mm-hmm. hundred of these guys that are coming, and I love that we'll bait them. We'll put this girl up on this hilltop, and it's like come and get her, and we'll just fight all these people through with elaborate pit traps. But that sequence where the I forget what his name is. He's actually Arnold's buddy, Franco Colombo. Mm-hmm. He's one of the like barbarian guys that had trained the snake that he fights earlier. Mm-hmm. He has this big ass hair where he comes to crush Conan because he sees his helmet, but it's totally just the move. Like, let me put my hat on yeah, top of this yeah. dangerous thing. It's very Looney Tunes. Very Looney yeah. Tunes. It's totally why he wily coyotes him. It's yep. the best sequence. He hits this thing and he's like, Oh, what's this branch? And he sees like these things spin around and he turns and this giant spike impales him. And he's like, his last words are like, fuck just that sequence. That's so good. <laughs> They uh, defeat the army and they see or Conan sees the apparition of Valeria. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She saves him because he's having that fight with God. What's his name? The the other barbarian. I'm so bad. I can't remember because this thing. They never say their name. They really don't. They don't. They don't. uh, Or, yeah, I guess Franco Colombo looking looking it up at IMDb. I think he's just listed as Pictish Scout. Right. And the other guy, he's like 6'11". I can't remember his name, but he's he you know, warrior guy that he's sword fighting mm-hmm. with and he's, he's going to kill Conan. And then out of nowhere, you see the sword flash and he gets cut in the face and you see this glittering like Valkyrie and mm-hmm. it's Valeria. And she's like, do you want to live forever? And then she just disappears. I love that, that effect. Like yeah, yeah. she says, I like early on in the movie, she's like, I would come back from hell for you or whatever. And mm-hmm. then she does, she yeah. like, comes back from the dead, kill, kicks this guy. And then he just kicks his ass and it's like, it's on. And then it's like, <laughs> We're storming after Tulsa Doom. 
I love that scene. Yeah, then Conan goes after Thalsa, approaching him before his followers. Thalsa attempts to do the same staring thing to him as he did to his mother, but Conan decapitates him and throws his head down the stairs. Yep, and at that point there is when Conan finally becomes a hero. Yeah. Because the whole time he's just trying to get revenge, and he has that sequence. He's just like, Thalsa Doom is like convinced that he's made this guy. He's like, I'm your real father. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's like, look at this. You could you could have all of this. You're powerful. And he's like so full of his own hype. He's like turning away. He doesn't even think anything bad's going to come. Yeah. And Conan's like, I guess I I don't know. And then he just goes chop. You like you just see that look in his eye like, no. And he like shakes it off and he just chops and then he chops. It's a brutal scene when mm-hmm. you decapitate. It's not like some simple uh, kill. This oh, guy yeah. Chop. No, it's hack, like, hack, you, hack. It's hack. It is brutal and it is violent. And you just see like that rage that's been in him. Mm-hmm. And then he's done and he holds up the head and he looks around and he looks around and he just tosses it. And it's almost just like, are you going to stop right, me? Because right. he's just like, I'm done. I've done this. I don't care if you come for me. And then there's nothing from people. And he grabs that like um, the fire, the fire. Pit, and he, yeah. And he hammer tosses it back, which was supposed to go through one of the windows. Oh, really? It was, but they couldn't redo it. Oh, yeah. That looked so good. Yeah, it did. That was like between that toss and then it's so funny uh, when the head gets tossed, it just kind of rolls down. Mm. But it's just like he just walks away and it slowly ignites and you just see all these cult followers just kind of like it's almost like they either been the spell has been broken on them and they all just single filed come up to this reflecting pool in front of that and douse these candles that they've been holding like they've been holding like this high mass for Thulsa Doom, and then they all just quietly walk away. Right. And at that sequence... Realize it's all shattered. It's all shattered, but it was all it was all worthless. And it's like that point right there, this violent, senseless barbarian, this angry man has finally become a hero because he like looks out and it's like he's made the decision that like other people are affected by this. Mm-hmm. And that it's almost at that point where it's like he has to kill this person. Yeah. Because... No one else will oppose him. He's the only person that's been strong enough to get there. Right. And he now has that choice where he can either follow it and just be like those other henchmen or actually stand up to this guy. Avenge, you know, actually not just revenge, but avenge the Mm -hmm. lives, all these lives. And like probably looking out, it's like all of those people on those stairs, all of them have lost their family or they've betrayed their family to be there. And it's like, it's such a powerful moment. He leaves and then, the princess kind of follows him and he like, I think he's like carries her out of the valley and you see Thulsa Doom's fortress burning more and more. And mm-hmm. it's such a great shot because I, I think they started it at late at night. So it's, it's starting to ignite and fire. And like that is juxtaposed with Dawn is actually rising mm-hmm. behind them. So they're coming out of this really dark valley as light is, is coming up on that burning. And it's, it's so it's a classic hero. It's a classic hero thing. It's like, you know, darkness to light, darkness to light. A new day is dawning. He's, you know, he's brought them out. And then it's like him sitting on his throne. It flashes forward to the future. And it's like, and then he became a great King. Those are a tale for another time. And it's such the great setup, but it's like sequels going to happen, but it's such an epic way to do it. It's like, but those tales are for another time and we'll close this chapter. But such a such a beautiful, awesome, powerful movie. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it it I think it's long. It's like maybe two and a half hours, but it just you I've never I never wanted that movie to end. I can watch it. It's like real genius. Anytime that movie comes on, I get sucked into it and I'll yeah. watch it from 
the beginning or the last 10 minutes. And it's just like it just goes by so quick. All right. Yeah. As we wrap it up, uh, where can people find you online and what do you want oh, to promote? Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm Kevin Harrington. Uh, you can find me on the Hadron Gospel Hour podcast. I'm the voice of Higsby. And you can also find me find me on Facebook as the White Ninja and Twitter as the White Ninja. I'm the White Ninja on all the social media. Okay. So find me on there uh, to tune in if you want to come check out and see me do some stand-up or uh, latest news on Hadron Gospel. All right. All right. Thanks Thank you for much. joining this me. This awesome. Random Movie Club is a production of the Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts on the Geek Generation Network at thegeekgeneration.com. Don't forget, you can support Random Movie Club and get access to exclusive bonus content by visiting our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com support. Our theme song is provided by Michael McLeod of Wolfstead Music. A link to his site can also be found on our site. Thanks for listening, and make sure you join us next time when we'll discuss Man of Steel. See you then.